Good morning, Lighthouse. Good to see you all here this morning. Glad you made it, whether you're in person or joining us online. We're glad you're with us. And uh, it's hard to say happy Memorial Day when you think about what Memorial Day really is all about. We'll come back to that in just a minute. But how many of you, by a show of hands, sit down to dinner just about every night? Just raise your hand, raise it high, hold it up, hold it up. If you sit down to dinner, officer, now I'm a lot of us, most of us here, okay? Now, when we sit down to dinner on the fourth Thursday of November, that's a little bit different dinner, isn't it? Right? When you sit down to that dinner on the fourth Thursday of November, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why are you gathering with a group of people? What are you doing? We're remembering right? Isn't that what we're doing? We're remembering. Some of us may say we're celebrating. Some of us say we're thankful. But what we're doing is we're remembering God's faithfulness over the last year. That's what we do, or that's what we're supposed to do on that fourth Thursday in November, what we call Thanksgiving. We remember. I'm going to come back to this whole idea of a meal of remembrance in just a minute, okay? But right now, we are in the middle of Memorial Day weekend, and I get so excited about that. I love their uh, feasts in Israel that they celebrate, but there are three major ones that are called pilgrimage feasts because the expectation is that if you are Jewish, then you are required to make the pilgrimage wherever you are in the world. It's the expectation that you will make your way back to Jerusalem for this feast. Pretty crazy. And so, and so there's actually three of them, and, and these are the opportunity for Jewish people to remember significant encounters that their nation has had with God. And these three pilgrimage feasts actually serve a dual role. They serve a physical role as well as a spiritual role. One of those feasts is the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. It's also called Pentecost. All right? Everybody say Pentecost. Ah, you just spoke Greek. Way to go. Okay? So, uh, the Feast of Weeks actually takes place exactly 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. And the Feast of Weeks is, it happens, it's, it's to celebrate the early summer harvest. Okay? And it's also to celebrate the harvest of the Holy Spirit when it comes to harvest souls, the Feast of Weeks. There's also the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Booths. It's called Sukkot. Everybody say Sukkot. It's the Feast of Booths. And this feast falls in the time of fall, in autumn. And it is to celebrate the harvest, the fall harvest, and God's faithfulness of providing for Israel. All right, in his bounty and in plentifulness, God provides to meet their needs. It's also to remember God's faithfulness for the 40 years that the children of Israel were in the desert. 
wandering through the desert before they got to the promised land. And during that time, they lived, they didn't have houses, all right? They lived in tents. And so literally, during the Feast of Booths, people, Jewish people will build tents. If you own a home, if you were in Jerusalem, you would build a tent outside of your house. If you were coming from somewhere else in the world, you would either build a tent inside of Jerusalem or outside, maybe, you know, on the Mount of Olives or or maybe in Jericho or someplace like that, where you would build a tent and your family would live in that temporary shelter to remember what the children of Israel went through for those 40 years. And then we come to the granddaddy of them all. And this feast was actually the first feast. I'm reaching puberty. The first feast that they would celebrate. And that was the feast of Passover. And the feast of Passover is very significant. For those of you who are familiar with your history, and especially your Jewish history, you recognize and realize that the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They were enslaved in Egypt, and they cried out to God for for his salvation to come. And finally, in Exodus, we read in Exodus chapter 3, It says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of these different countries and different tribes, the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And at this moment, God takes Moses and sends him in and tells Pharaoh, release my people. You're probably maybe familiar with this story. Pharaoh says no. So God sends all of these different plagues, blood in the rivers, blood everywhere, gnats, you know, frogs, all these different things. And it ends with the greatest plague that would finally make Pharaoh basically get on his knees and say, get out. And so God told the people in Israel, he said, I'm going to send a plague that is so devastating that Pharaoh can't do anything but let you go. Here's what I want you to do. I am going to send an angel of death throughout the land of Egypt. And what you need to do is you need to sacrifice a perfect animal, whether it's a, a sheep or ram, a dove, whatever, a per, no blemish, a perfect animal. And you sacrifice that animal to me. And then you take the blood of that animal and you paint it on your doorpost so that when the angel of death comes through Egypt and kills the firstborn of every single living person, the firstborn male of everything, whether it's cattle, goats, sheep, human beings, when it comes through to kill the firstborn male, it will pass over the houses that have blood on the doorposts. Sure enough, that's what happened. Angel of death comes through, kills all the firstborn, of, firstborn male of every living creature, except for the Jews who had the blood painted on their doorposts, passed over it. There, it said, scripture says there was wailing and crying and mourning in Egypt. And Pharaoh comes to Moses and basically says, get out. 
Get out now. Leave now. And so the Jews would come together every single year and they would celebrate the Passover. They would celebrate God's faithfulness. Now, as a side note here, I want you to recognize something. God saw, God heard, and God answered. God saw, God heard, and God answered. And I I want you to know that today, it wasn't just for the people in Israel. It wasn't just true for them, for those who were enslaved by Egypt. It's true for you and me today. God sees you. God hears you. And God will answer you. All we have to do is reach out. So for the Jews, the Passover meal wasn't about escaping from Egypt, okay? It wasn't about, because there's a big difference between escaping and what God did. See, they didn't, it's not, the, the Passover is not just about celebrating escaping. It's about celebrating God's deliverance. It's about celebrating God's deliverance. And I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about the specific situation. The specific situation where God delivers the people of Israel out of the hand of Egypt. Out of slavery. Out of persecution. And out of oppression. And so they would celebrate the Passover every day single year and it was at this specific meal the passover meal that jesus would adopt and adapt that passover meal to help remind the disciples as well as us that god was making a new covenant with humanity god had fulfilled the old covenant And now through Jesus, through Jesus' life and death, he was making a new covenant with us. And we call this meal, we no longer call it the Passover meal. For those of us who follow Jesus Christ, we call it Holy Communion, or the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper. And Jesus took that and he kept, he kept this meal but, and he kept the theme, but he applied it to the new covenant. While Passover was about remembering God's deliverance in the past, communion is about remembering God's deliverance today and in the future. While the Passover is about deliverance from oppression from a country, communion is about deliverance from sin and death. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, who call ourselves disciples, we should be excited about that. Because God sees us, God hears us, and God answers. And he delivers us, not just from from things on earth, but the things that we can't see. The war that is raging around us spiritually. And in both cases, in both cases, God is the only one who can deliver. In communion, we are reminded that only Jesus, everybody say only Jesus. Jesus. Say it again louder. 
we are reminded that only Jesus could do what needed to be done. Only Jesus could be the sacrifice that could satisfy the wrath of God towards sin. Only Jesus could be trusted to save us from hell. Only Jesus died for your sins and my sins. Only Jesus. No politician, no celebrity, no pastor, no church, no denomination. Only Jesus. Say it again. Only Jesus. And so today, on Memorial Day weekend, when we remember those who have gone before us and died so that we can have freedom, today we remember Jesus. Because only Jesus, only Jesus could provide the path to the Father. And through communion, we remember what God has done for us. In all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the biographies of Jesus and his ministry, in all four of them, they talk about this communion, this Passover that Jesus celebrated, the last one when he instituted this new covenant with humanity. And the Apostle Paul sums it all up in 1 Corinthians when he writes this. He wrote, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, like I said, on this Memorial Day weekend, when we remember these people who were willing to pay the price so that we could have freedom, on this specific day, we remember Jesus and what he did for us. Sure, God paid the price for our freedom. That's what Jesus said. He said, I, may, I have come that you may have life. He, he, Jesus talked about freedom. The apostle Paul said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Surely, Jesus has set us free from sin and death. But he's delivered us. He has delivered us from that so that we can have eternal life. He made the ultimate sacrifice for you and me so that we can live with him. Paul wrapped it up by saying, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, when you walked in today, there was a table that had little cups with bread and juice because we're still um, holding to uh, some COVID things here. And so we're doing them individually today. And, uh, And... Hopefully you have that. If you, if you didn't, in just a moment, I'm going to have us bow our heads. And I'd encourage you if, you, if you didn't grab a cup on your way in, just get up and go back and grab one and come back to your seat, okay? It's totally fine, totally great that you can do that. But today we remember this. We remember what God has done for us. And in your hand, hopefully you have that, that juice and that bread. And today as you take that bread, I would hope 
that you will spend a moment thinking about God's love for you. If you've been at Lighthouse for any length of time, you've heard me say this time and time again. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. And then what do I say? God loves you. My friends, communion is the physical sign of God's love for you. It's what we remember and how we know that God loves us. So I hope that as I give you a little bit of time here to remember what God has done for you, I hope you won't just plow through it, gobble down the bread, you know, drink the juice real quick and hope we move on. I hope that you will spend time remembering the extent to which God would go to prove his love for you. As you take that bread and you put it in your mouth, that maybe you'll just let that bread sit there for a moment. And you remember that Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. And then as you hold the cup, oftentimes I will just look straight in the cup before I drink it. And I will look at the red in that and I'll remember the blood of Jesus shed for me. As you drink it, remember that Jesus said, this, I am, God is, the Father is making a new covenant with you and humanity. It's a covenant paid for in my blood. And as you drink, remember what he's done for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this symbol that you have given to us of your love. That in the same way that the Israeli nation moved from death to life when they were delivered from Egypt, we are moved from death to life. We are delivered from death to life because of what Jesus did for us. And so as we receive this bread and this juice, I pray that we would remember and be convicted of how much you love us and what you've done for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. My friends, you're welcome to enjoy what God has provided in this communion now.
Father, I think of that great hymn written by John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God, I've done nothing to earn your love. In fact, if truth be told, I have earned everything. Scorn, shame, everything. And yet you pushed that all aside and said that even while I was sinning, Jesus died for me. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And today we remember the price that you paid to deliver us from death to life. And we give thanks and praise to you. Thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh yeah, there's one more thing I wanted to share with you. When Jesus died, he wasn't done. Now I know that communion is usually kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a somber thing. But when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he included something that was important for us to understand. In Luke's biography of Jesus, when Jesus was finishing up this Passover meal, he said this. He said, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That word until is critical for us. I mean, if Jesus said, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine, we would understand that, right? But that word until is the word that gives us hope. The disciples didn't recognize it in that time. That when, you know, we get locked on Jesus on the cross and he said, it is finished, right? It is finished. Did you know that that word that Jesus used, finished, is actually an accounting term that means paid in full. My sin and your sin were paid in full. Jesus, when he cried out, it is finished, he had paid the price. The only price that needed to be paid was through him. But he wasn't done Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. I gave you enough time for an hallelujah there, okay? I gave you enough time for an amen. You guys should be way more excited about that than you are right now. First hour, I couldn't see their faces through the mask, okay? But I can see you, okay? Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. He's fulfilling the until. That one day, one day, just like Jesus rose from the dead... For those of us who trusted Jesus, who called Jesus Lord and Savior, who are filled with the Holy Spirit and live this life in the shadow of Jesus, we too will rise again. And we will drink of the fruit of the vine with our Lord and Savior in heaven above. That's what we have to look forward to. The cross wasn't the end. It was the beginning. And that's what we celebrate, my friends. That's what we remember on this day. So stand up with me, please. Stand up with me. And uh, I have three questions for you to mull over, to think through, to process as we talk about Memorial Day and what it means and what it means to us as followers of Jesus, okay? First question, what does Memorial Day mean to you? So often we rush through it. What does Memorial Day mean to you? And what should we be remembering on this day. Number two, question number two, why do you need God?
And please don't just rush through that answer and give me the Bible, you know, because the Bible tells me so, okay? Don't give me that lame garbage answer. Think through it. Think through, why do you need God? And the third question, why did God die for you? Why did God die for you? Did you earn it? Do you deserve it? Why? Why did he die for you? And so this morning, we're going to close out with um, this song that is so perfect for this moment, Precious Jesus. But I don't want to sing Precious Jesus. I want to sing Just Jesus. Just Jesus. He's all we have, and he's all we need. Let's sing together.